If you would turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 16 is our text this morning. Luke 5, 12 through 16. And following the reading of scripture, we will sing the Gloria Patri printed for you in your bulletin. Please stand for the reading of God's holy word. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And God will add his blessing to this reading of his word. When we think of thankfulness, as we'll be thinking of a lot this coming week, we, one of the stories that might come readily to mind as we think about that is the story of the ten lepers. And so I'd like to read that for you, but if you would follow along, turn in your Bibles to Luke 17, Luke 17, verse 11. It's a familiar story. It's a good one for us to be think, think, thinking about in terms of thankfulness. So in Luke 17, verse 11, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus asked, were not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. As we think about that story and reflect on it, it not only draws our thoughts toward thankfulness, thanksgiving, 
uh, be thankful for what God has done for us, but it does direct our thoughts again, as the passage we read, to the problematic issue of leprosy. Uh, as I understand, when men were being escorted in a prison to the execution chamber, the escort would call out, dead man walking. Uh, he was still alive and walking, but he was as good as dead. Well, that is a, an apt description of the condition, the situation uh, for those who had leprosy, particularly in the ancient world. They're still alive, but they're exiled and ostracized, and they're as good as dead. The disease will take its course, and they will be uh, consumed. <clears throat> and the reason we have an account like this uh, in the story of Jesus' life is because uh, the healing of a leper is a dynamic picture. It's a dy dynamic evidence of the messianic character of Jesus Christ, that he had come to be the Messiah, it was proof positive that he was who he claimed to be. And it indicted the people of Israel for rejecting him as their Messiah because the evidence was so very plain. And we see how this evidence is used. Remember that when John the Baptist was in prison and he was going through a period of doubt uh, and he sent his disciples to Jesus and they asked Jesus the question, are you the one who is to come, or should we look for another? And Jesus proceeded to continue to do healings. And then he turns and says to John's disciples, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Evidence that Jesus Christ was indeed the Messiah was in his ability to cleanse the leper, to heal them of that disease. The rabbis of that time considered the healing of a leper to be as impossible as raising the dead. And so Jesus does both. He heals the leper and he raises the dead and the Jews rejected him. And it's a, a terrible indictment. So the miracle in this passage that we're looking at is part of the evidence that Jesus is who he said he was. Uh, and he had come to bring redemption. Well, there's several things I want us to look at as we go through this particular event. The first is to reflect a little bit more on leprosy as a picture of the corruption of sin. Uh, he would never have come to Christ if he didn't understand his need. And that's the same thing is true for you and me. We need to understand our need. The second thing is to see how he approached Jesus in humility and in faith uh, to uh, ask for healing. Then we see the wonderful response of Christ to his plea. 
And then last of all, an instruction given to him that's kind of puzzling in some ways, but is significant for us to think about. Leprosy in the ancient world particularly was a, a death sentence. It was a terrible blight on a person's life. <clears throat> and it, it signaled their eventual death and, and their decay of their bodies in front of them. It is an infectious disease, but not as uh, dangerously infectious as was assumed in the ancient world. Uh, you can't get it by touching a leper. Uh, perhaps if you spent long times with someone suffering from leprosy, in their, the moisture in their breath might contaminate you. But the problem with leprosy and why they ended up decaying, as it were, right in front of our eyes is because uh, the, the disease killed their pain receptors. Paul, ba Paul Brand, a physician, uh, worked for many years with his patients uh, that were lepers. And he's written several books um, that are interesting. One is called In His Image, Another Fearfully and Wonderfully Made, where, like Paul, he uses the imagery of the body, uh, the human body for the church. But one of his earlier books was titled, uh, is now currently titled, The Gift of Pain. It was originally titled, The Gift That Nobody Wants. And what he tried to explain is pain, while we don't like it, is helpful for us. Because it tells us where we're hurting. It tells us what we need. The problem with leprosy is they don't feel pain. In fact, Paul Brand calls leprosy a painless hell. So they injure themselves and get a sore on their foot, but they don't do anything about it because they don't feel it. They can't understand their need, and so their body begins to be injured and decay and deteriorate right in front of them. Uh, the book of Leviticus instructed persons with this disease that they must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of the face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean, he must live alone, he must live outside the camp. The leper's state is one of humiliation and isolation a pervasive sense of, of uh, this worthlessness. They had to live, they typically were beggars because they couldn't do anything to provide for themselves. They typically lived sometimes in groups outside of towns. <clears throat> and by the time of Jesus, uh, the rules had even multiplied and you couldn't, it, was, it was against the law to even greet a leper. And there were certain uh, provisions, they had to be 150 feet away at least if they were upwind and at least six feet or more away if they were downwind. But the leprosy, as bad as a physical disease that it is, becomes also a picture in the Bible for the corruption of sin in our own lives. Just as the disease of leprosy corrupts the whole body, Sin corrupts our entire self. It 
totally contaminates us. Uh, in, the, in the ancient world, it was assumed that if someone had leprosy, they had committed a great sin. Thinking of incidents like Miriam, Moses' sister, Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, even King Uzziah in his sin. Uh, so there was a connection to sinfulness in the minds of people. But as we look at leprosy, and as we consider it and think about it as a disease, it reminds us that we're totally corrupt. And just as the leper had to be abandoned, had to be sent outside, you and I in our sin are sent away from communion with God. Uh, one uh, Greek scholar says, though the leper was not worse or guiltier than his fellow Jews, nevertheless, he was a parable of sin, <clears throat> an outward and visible sign of inner, innermost spiritual corruption. Isaiah gave us perhaps one of the more graphic descriptions. He says, your whole head is injured and your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. And just as that leper had to understand his need before he would ever come to Christ, you and I also will never come to Christ if we don't understand our need. If we don't see ourselves as we truly are, contaminated with sin throughout. Well, the leper knew he needed Christ and he comes <clears throat> to Jesus. And several things about his coming to Jesus, he falls in with his face to the ground and he cries out to him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Notice he doesn't say, Lord, if you're willing, you can heal me. He understands that the essence of his leprosy was that he was unclean. He was contaminated. He was uh, unfit to come into the presence of the holiness of God. So it wasn't a matter just of disease. He understood that he was hopeless in himself and he could not do a thing to remedy that. He had to come to Christ. He didn't come self-sufficient. He didn't come indifferent. He didn't come in the lackadaisical way to Christ. He came desperately in need. That's how you and I have to come. We're desperately in need. Jesus did not come to call the righteous, but he came to call sinners to repentance. So we have to know that. We have to understand that. <clears throat> he comes and he comes with humility. Not, Jesus, I'm pretty good. You need to heal me. But he falls on his face to the ground and worships him. There's a humility in coming to the Lord. A recognition that it's not, I don't deserve anything, but God in his mercy will hopefully pour that out on me. <clears throat> and then the, the other step of his is his pleading with Jesus. The, Mark gives us the idea that he, he says this several times. So it's an urgent and it's a, a desperate plea. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. 
Now, it's not as though the man doubted Jesus' ability to, to, to heal him. He didn't doubt Jesus' ability to heal him. What he wondered about was, would he? Is he willing to heal me? Sin so messes up our minds uh, in a couple ways we see it. One is it, it convinces us that we're not really that bad. And so, yeah, we've done some things wrong, but, you know, we're not that bad. We're, we're relatively okay, and that's a distortion of our thinking. But the other one is to think that sin and the, the enemy uses it against us. If, we, if we're sinners, then God... We're so bad that God, we're beyond God's help. So I won't come to him because I'm too bad off. How could he forgive someone like me? And that's sin, distorting our thinking. The leper was fully aware of his hopelessness and helplessness, and yet he believed Christ could heal him. And so he pleads with him. And then we have Jesus' approach to the man. Two, two things that are part of his approach. And to me, the most dynamic, powerful, significant, exciting, wonderful thing about the story is the next thing that we read. This is, the, this is it. It says Jesus reached Excuse me, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. How many years had it been since that man felt the human touch? Jesus, before he even said a word, before he did anything, he reached out and he touched the man. The man is unclean. Anybody who touches an unclean person is made unclean. And yet here Jesus, the pure, glorious Son of God, he reaches out to that man to demonstrate his compassion, to demonstrate his sympathy, to de demonstrate his kindness. He reaches out and he touches him. And the touch is more than just, well, a tiny little touch. It's, an, it's, a, it's kind of an embrace. He grasps the man and holds on to him. The people around Jesus probably were completely shocked. How could he do this? He's making himself unclean, and they don't understand. The uncleanness of that man cannot make the pure Son of God unclean. It's the purity of the Son of God that's going to make that man clean. It's the glory of Christ. Now, the day will come when Jesus is on the cross, when our uncleanness will be put on him and he will become unclean for our sakes. But at this point, it's Jesus' dynamic purity that makes the man clean. It's Jesus' cleanness that does that. John writes it in another way in his gospel. He says, in him Jesus was life and that life was the light of men and the light shines in darkness, 
And the darkness cannot overcome it, cannot withstand it, cannot prevent it. The darkness cannot keep the light from shining. The light will overwhelm the darkness. And that's what we have in Jesus Christ. The light overwhelming the darkness. Here we have it in this leper. The purity of the Son of God overwhelming the uncleanness that's in this man. It's not the other way around. Uh, We have that one, I guess it's a gospel song. It's a Gaither song. He touched me and made me whole. We have... uh, some of you are beginning to think that through and you're seeing that in your heads. That's okay. It's a wonderful it's a reminder of the truth of this passage. He touched me and made me whole. Uh, sin had left a heavy burden, but he takes it away. And he laid hold of him. So the first thing is Jesus touched him. And then Jesus says, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. One word from Christ was all it took, and he was made well. He was cleansed from his disease. He was made acceptable to God through Christ. He was uh, wonderful, uh, rich blessings would come upon him. And the gospel reminds us of that. You know, we're dealing with perhaps not an outward illness like that, but the illness or the corruption of our own sin. And uh, John tells us that the blood of Jesus, God's Son, purifies us from every sin. His blood will cleanse us and purify us. And even though as long as we live in this life, in this world, in this flesh, we're going to struggle with sin... Nevertheless, our sin has been paid for and our future has been purchased and we have a sure and certain hope. Well, after Jesus dealing with the man, he gives him an instruction that sounds a little strange. He says, don't tell anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. He says, don't tell anyone. Jesus, at this point in his life, is still keeping his identity a little bit hidden, uh, even though people are getting to know it, uh, because the one day he will be revealed to the authorities and then they will arrest him. But he tells him to go to the priest and offer the sacrifices commanded by Moses. Why would he tell him to do this? There are several reasons that he would have Uh, told him to do this. One is, uh, it was to get proof that an actual miracle had occurred. In the Old Testament law, in Leviticus 13 and 14, when a person had leprosy and they were healed, they were to go to the priest. And it was confirmation that healing had occurred. Here was confirmation that a miracle had occurred. In case any of the authorities doubted it, the priest would have affirmed, yes, He was healed. Uh, It it, it demonstrates Jesus' respect for the law. Remember in the Sermon on the Mount, he had said, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So he was willing to honor the law and go through the prescriptions that needed to be done when someone was healed. 
the Old Testament law was looking forward to the Messiah. And he's fulfilling it, accomplishing it. It was an act of obedience on the part of the man who was healed. When you and I become Christians, you and I are called to walk in faith to the Lord. It's we act in obedience, not to gain favor with God, but because he's given us favor to please and honor him. And there's a whole process of uh, sacrifices and so forth. It's a, you can go back and read Leviticus 14 and read all that had to be done. It's a rich, wonderful way, but it's, it was the way that the family could get their loved one back. Just an amazing thing to think about. It was kind of an ordeal when you go read it, but nevertheless, it was the way for the family to get their loved one home. What a wonderful thing Jesus wanted to have happen. And this healing was a restoration to life, essentially a resurrection from the dead. And it was to give tangible proof that that was the case. And before Israel, the, the, the question was, what are you going to do with this one who is the son? How are you going to deal with him? When Ryan preached a few weeks ago on Luke 4 and Jesus preaching in his hometown of Nazareth, the people were, they rejected him. And Jesus said to them, in the day of Elisha, there were many lepers who were not healed. But there was one, Naaman, a foreigner, and he came and he was healed. And the people hated him for it. The question is, we have Christ before us. What do we do with him? Do we embrace him? Do we come to him like this poor leper did? Bow before him in humble reverence and with confidence that he can make us clean. The news spread around about Jesus. Crowds came, but Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He wouldn't allow the press of all the business to keep him from spending time with his heavenly father. It's, a, it's an example. It's a, something we to reflect on. Our lives are very busy. Sometimes it is overwhelming. But it's good for us to think about, can we take a little time to fellowship with our God as we live for him? And I'm not trying to put you on a guilt trip. There's many a young mother. She doesn't have any time. She's, she, it's, she's doing well if she can get something to eat. Maybe as she's nursing a baby or changing a diaper, she can pray. Maybe when you're mowing the yard, you can pray. We can take snatches. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was taking snatches, getting away, and spending some time with his father to keep that relationship nurtured. That's your calling in mind. To have come to the Savior, but then to keep nurturing that relationship and not letting the press of life overwhelm it too much. May we be those who
fall, come to Jesus and follow him and express our thankfulness in that way. Let us pray. <clears throat> thank you, Father, very much for your grace and mercy, and thank you so much for the revelation of Jesus' glory and love and compassion and kindness and healing this man in his desperate condition. We know that that same mercy, kindness, love, and compassion is ours as well in him for all parts of our lives. And we ask, O oh Father, that you will fill us with a sense of the wonder of this so that we might live with true thankfulness to you. And uh, that this season, when we reflect on that in particular, might be rich in drawing our thoughts toward you in that way. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.